Welcome to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. My name is Sandra, and I'm the virtual mom bestie you didn't know you needed. Grab a cup, make yourself comfortable, and allow me to spill the tea on motherhood. Hello, and welcome back to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. I am so happy that you're here and that you're tuning in today. If you notice from the episode title, we are getting into a very deep topic that is something very prevalent in a woman's postpartum journey. And of course, it can also happen to dads, but I think it is just a lot more common of an experience that women and moms face. So yeah, today we're going to talk about intrusive thoughts. These thoughts primarily come up early postpartum when you still have a newborn, but they can continue to carry out throughout the first year of your baby's life or even beyond that. Um, I think that a lot of these intrusive thoughts morph into different worries and fears as our babies get older and as we are in different seasons of motherhood and of raising our babies. So... I do want to start off with the disclaimer that, you know, we are going to cover intrusive thoughts and some of the examples and things that I will discuss that either I've experienced personally or that I've heard other moms experience may be a bit graphic or triggering. So I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there right away because If you're not in the right headspace to consume this type of content and this topic, then I would encourage you to not continue to listen to this episode and perhaps tune in at a different time. So again, disclaimer, trigger warning. Um, But yeah, let's just go ahead and jump right in. So let me just kick this episode off by defining intrusive thoughts because you might be postpartum having all of these really emotional dark thoughts and you may not even realize that this is a very common thing that happens to moms and parents. So um, just in case you have never even heard of the term intrusive thoughts, They are, it is defined as unwanted thoughts that can pop into our heads without warning at any time. They're often repetitive with the same kind of thought cropping up again and again, and they can be disturbing or even distressing. So research projects that between 70% and 100% of new moms experience intrusive thoughts. It is extremely common. I personally think that most moms experience some form of intrusive thoughts, but it may just affect some more deeply than others, right? So some might have some of these scary thoughts pop into their head, but can immediately move on from it and realize it's just a thought, like it's just a thought while other moms harp on it longer and it can really affect their day-to-day and limits them from doing certain things um, just for fear of something bad happening, 
or, you know, perhaps it keeps them up at night. There are a lot of um, nighttime intrusive thoughts that really keep moms up at night. Like, is my baby still breathing in their crib? We think about SIDS. We think about our baby getting kidnapped. Like, so many different things that are also very specific to nighttime. And I think it really crops up at night. This is just my opinion. Because we are not physically next to our child watching them to make sure everything is okay, right? Like you still have these thoughts during the daytime, but if your baby or your child is home with you, you're keeping an eye out and you know, you're being mindful of your fears and making sure these fears don't become a reality. But at night, you really can't control what happens. So a lot of moms kind of sleep with one eye open staring at the monitor making sure their baby is still breathing. Um, Likewise, you know, if your baby is in daycare or in the care of someone else, you know, perhaps then when you're separated from your child in that way during the day, you have a lot of these thoughts and fears that crop up because you're not there with your baby and you don't, it's not that you don't trust other people to care for your baby. There's just this fear that maybe they're not thinking about all the same things you are thinking about and concerned about and that something bad is more likely to happen to your child when you are not the one with them. So I'm sure this is something, if you're tuning in, that you can relate to, that you've experienced in the past or are currently experiencing So once again, I just want you to know that this is normal. This is so normal. Like it is not just you. Please take a deep breath. Take a deep breath with me right now. And repeat after me. It is not just me. I'm not going crazy. These thoughts are normal and common. And I am not a bad mom. For having these scary intrusive thoughts. So I'm not entirely sure that you'll come away from this episode with any super helpful tips on how to overcome these thoughts, but what I am hoping is that you walk away with the realization that you are not alone with these thoughts. So many moms and dads have these thoughts on a daily basis. Seriously, trust me, I did. I polled my Instagram community of over 100,000 moms and everyone's response is, oh my gosh, I thought it was just me. I thought I was going crazy for having these thoughts. I didn't think anyone else had these crazy thoughts because no one really talks about them. And I'll get deeper into that throughout this episode, but I just hope you will walk away from listening to this episode knowing it's not just you. You are not going crazy. It's normal. It's just not pleasant. So I was on reading an article from Psyched Mommy. She also has a really great Instagram account. And I just wanted to read off this one part of one of her articles. And it says, "Um, Since we're naturally inclined to protect our offspring, this increased stress response causes us to imagine all the ways they could get hurt. 
even if it's by our own doing. In that way, intrusive thoughts might be adaptive. For example, if you picture your stroller rolling into traffic, you're going to grip the handle more tightly. The more we can anticipate danger to our kids, the more we can avoid it. So I definitely agree with that statement and that kind of finding in her article. I think that as parents, having some level of fears and anxieties is a healthy thing to have because it does kind of help you put into perspective the things that you have to be mindful of that could happen to your child, right? Um, And kind of where to be more careful and if someone else is watching your baby, certain things that you want to remind them to be mindful of as well. So like I said, I think some degree of anxiety and worries and fears is healthy just in general in life not just in how it pertains to your children um so yeah so I just want to get a little bit deeper now into some different examples of intrusive thoughts Um, a lot of the ones I'm going to go through first are I think most of the ones I'm going to go through here are actually ones that I had when I was early postpartum with a newborn. So um, I'm really hoping that as I go through these examples, you will say to yourself, oh my gosh, me too. Me too. Yes, I've had that thought. Yep. Okay. This is normal. I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one. And, you know, come reach out to me over on Instagram at my best mom friend and shoot me a message and tell me you know, how you felt about this episode, if this resonated, you know, send me any feedback. And it's always nice too, because me validating for you that this is normal, that any of the things you're feeling is normal, then also validates back to me that what I felt postpartum or sometimes still feel now is normal. So although my platform is to support you, the mother, it's also nice to hear feedback because it validates my experiences as well. So I would love to hear your feedback. So I'm going to jump right in, no particular order, just sort of as they come to me, as I rethink what newborn life and early postpartum was like for me. If you don't already follow me and my journey or listen to the first two episodes, I just want to reiterate, I went through really bad postpartum depression and anxiety, which I definitely think kind of escalated um, all of these intrusive thoughts. So just that, I just want you to know that little bit of background that I was going through a slew of um, perinatal mental health um, mood disorders. So here are some examples. Do you remember the Elizabeth Smart kidnapping way back in the day when we were younger? Okay, so that crops up for me all the time at night. I always wonder like, oh my gosh, what if that happens to my child? What if someone climbs in through his window and kidnaps him and I never see him again and awful things will happen to him 
oh my gosh, like I am constantly making sure the windows are locked before bed because often I'm the first one to go upstairs and my husband stays downstairs longer, usually to watch football or whatever sport he's into. Um, and he is notorious for not double checking if the doors are locked. So, you know, when he comes to bed, I'm the annoying nagging wife that's like, hey, did you lock the doors? And he's the annoying husband that says, oh my God, I'm not a child. Why do you always ask me that? (laughs) And I can't tell you how many times the next morning, if I didn't ask him, that I went downstairs to find one of the doors being unlocked. So, you know, there's a reason I ask. I'm not trying to be annoying. So, okay, so that's a thought. That's a terrifying thought. Uh, I don't know if anyone else, that Elizabeth Smart story, if that has like stuck with anyone else as deeply as it has with me. Let's see, what else? Okay, so a big, big place I have anxiety and still my son is a little over two and this anxiety, this does not go away. It, ha- it Honestly, I feel like it's only worsened and that is getting into a car accident. Um, I very specifically worry about like us crashing and I'm somehow pinned in and can't get to him to check on him to see if he's okay or not. Or that we get T-boned and it just so happens that the place the other car hits us is in the back where my son is sitting. And then of course that spirals to all the horrible thoughts of like my child dying. So I you know, I, I'll leave it at where my initial thought goes because I don't want to make this even more triggering. Um, so yeah, so I think about that a lot. And like, if my husband is the one driving him to daycare in the mornings, I'm thinking about that. Not in a, not in a crippling way where I'm like pacing around the house, just fear and anxiety eating away at me where I can't function. Like, no, it's not to that level. But every single time that my husband drives him to daycare or anywhere, it pops into my mind of like, oh my gosh, they could get into a car accident. So through our daycare app, I am immediately notified when my son gets signed in or signed out. So as soon as I get that notification saying my son has been signed in, then I can like breathe a sigh of relief to know that he got there okay. Um, I also, I tighten his car um, seatbelt thing, whatever it's called with, um, what is it called? The car seat, the straps. Um, I make sure that it is so tight. Like I'm probably almost suffocating my poor child. Um, I'm just so worried about getting into a car accident. And I also always feel like my husband doesn't make it as tight as I would like him to, which really frustrates me. But anyway, I will say this has gotten a little bit better, but when I was first postpartum, the fear of the car accident was so intense that it really was preventing me from going out and doing certain things. Like, granted, it was the height of COVID, so it's not like there were a million places we were planning on going anyway, but 
like my mom would ask me if I wanted a change of scenery to get out of the house and go bring him to her house. Or it was around the holidays, so we'd be like going to my mother-in-law's house. And I mean, the only place I took him the first like three months of his life is to the pediatrician. And even then, I was so nervous to get in the car with him because I just felt like something awful was going to happen. So you can see in this scenario, like that fear really did prevent me from going to see family and friends um, just because I was so nervous about getting into some kind of a car accident. If car accidents is a fear of yours as well, um, one of the resources I can recommend is following at safe in the seat over on Instagram. Uh, she has so much really good, helpful information about car seat safety and just overall car safety when you have a little one present. Um, just like, should he be rear facing or forward facing or how to properly strap them in. So many really great resources that I highly recommend giving her a follow. Okay, whew, that was a very long segment about my fear of car accidents. So moving on. Choking. Choking is a really big fear and I still have it, but it's kind of dissipated a little bit. It was a lot worse when my son first started on solids. I know baby led weaning is like such a big trendy thing nowadays and it gives parents a lot of anxieties. Um, so yeah, you just remember do what's best for you when it comes to how you approach starting solids. You do not have to do baby led weaning if you're not comfortable with it. I will say the one thing, the one product I purchased that really helped put my mind at ease is something called the Life Vac. So it's this device where if your child is choking, it's basically like a suction, like plunging device where you would, I mean, you'd have to do your own research. Like you still do certain things first, I think, like back blows and, you know, all that stuff. But then you lay them down and you apply this mask. It almost looks like a little breathing mask. Um, they have a pediatric size and an adult size that it comes with. And you like plunge it backwards instead of forwards like you would with a toilet plunger. And it just sucks whatever is trapped in their throat right out. Now, I cannot guarantee 100% of the time that it works, but having it and having seen how many lives it has saved, I had to buy it. It's not cheap. I think it's around 70 or $80. And it's something like buying a fire extinguisher that you hope to never have to use, but are glad that you have it. So I keep my life vac in the kitchen cabinet and it, it just gives me so much peace of mind that I have it. Anytime I send my son to stay with my mother-in-law for the night, I always pack it every single time. Like I don't care if my family thinks I'm nuts and I'm overly worried. I personally would always rather be safe than sorry when it comes to my son. And if you have a fear about choking, like that is not an irrational fear. Let me just tell you, I think 
I don't want to mess this up, but statistically speaking, I believe choking, death from choking is either the top, like the number one way that babies and children die or the number two or three way. Like it is way up there as the top three things that can happen to your child that can take their life. So I just want to reassure you that that is a very normal fear to have. So yeah, that that's a hard one. So early on in my postpartum journey, I was also really afraid to be alone with my son, not for the fear that I would harm him in any way, but because like I'm not um I'm not hands-on CPR certified or have had like hands-on classes and experience. So it makes me nervous. It is something on my to-do list to finally go do. Like I've watched videos. I know generally what you're supposed to do. But like my husband has hands-on experience. He's certified. He knows what to do. So just anytime he would have to leave to go somewhere, especially when my son was a newborn, I would be so nervous. I'd be so nervous that something would happen to my son and I would be in a frantic state and not knowing how to help him. And when I would voice that to my husband, he he would just say, oh my gosh, honey, like you just call 911. And I was like, oh, right, duh, <laughs> you know? So anyways, he is just the calm one in situations like this and I panic and have this fear that I will just like freeze up if something happens to my son. Like if he's choking or can't breathe, has a seizure, passes out, whatever it may be. Um, but then again, like until something happens, you don't know how you'll react, right? Like you maybe have the quickest response and just something takes over and you just like know what to do to help them. So, you know, um, but like, for example, the other day, my son is two and we think he had croup, which if you're not familiar with it, I guess, you know, Google it. It's some kind of like virus that like affects your child for three to seven days, I think, where it's just really at night, their like windpipe swells up and they have a hard time breathing. Like it kind of comes on with a cough. So he started coughing. It sounded like he was choking. I was listening in on, through the monitor. And then I thought he was like throwing up, but it turns out he was just like gasping for air and couldn't breathe well. So when my husband and I got in the room, like I'm panicking and he is like just trying to calm my son down. And then once he was calm, his breathing like got back to normal. Um, but I was telling my husband, I was like, if you were like on a business trip or somewhere when this happened, I would have just called 911. Like most parents that have told me that their kid has had croup, which is a fairly common thing, um, they take their kid to the emergency department. But literally, like I would have probably just called 911 because I probably would have been too frantic to like get him in the car by myself and drive to the ED. So... <sighs> I'm just saying, you know, even two years in, some of these fears don't necessarily just go away. Oh, okay. I had to do a quick pause because 
I just needed to take a breath. I didn't realize how much I would have to share on this topic. So this may end up being a lengthier episode than I anticipated. So, um, you know, I would take a lot of postpartum walks with the stroller out and about in the neighborhood. And one of the fears I would have is that someone would just like pop out of a bush somewhere (laughs) or pull their car up and just grab my son out of the stroller and kidnap him. I mean, you know, the likelihood of that happening is very small. Um, but that was a random fear that I had. Um, what else? So, you know, all the parenting books that you read talk so heavily about SIDS and how your baby could just stop breathing in the middle of the night for no real reason. So it's like no wonder so many parents are so terrified when they bring home a new baby because it's like hammered into our head. Like, oh yeah, by the way, your baby could just sporadically, randomly die in the middle of the night in their crib without you even knowing. Like, okay, good luck. It's like, (laughs) okay. So I feel like the first two to three weeks of my son's life after bringing him home, I didn't really sleep. Like, not really. My Son was in a bassinet next to my bed in our room. The lights were obviously off, so it was really dark. So although he was next to me, like literally a foot away from me, I still had the monitor on because it was obviously dark, so I couldn't actually see him. So I needed the monitor to be able to actually like see his face, and I would always zoom in all the way on his chest to make sure that his chest was moving up and down. Um, Or I can't tell you how many times I would lay there and look at, stare at the monitor and think to myself frantically, like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen him move at all in so long. Like, is he okay? Is he alive? Is he breathing? And I would just stare at it waiting for him to make some kind of like little twitch or move his hand or kind of move his head a little bit just to have confirmation like, okay, he's okay. He's still alive. He's breathing. So that's very common to have. Um, Another thing that would happen to me personally, and I don't know if this is common or not. So again, send me some feedback because I also want to know if this is (laughs) something that other moms experience, but we never co-slept, um, and if I tell you this this reoccurring dream I had, then you'll probably understand why. Like, I'm not against, you know, co-sleeping. Like, everyone has to do what's best for them. But so, <clears throat> I would wake up in the middle of the night, like, wake up from a horrific dream, and I would feel all around the bed Because in my dream, my son, like I was breastfeeding him in bed and fell asleep and, or I was just holding him in bed and fell asleep and like rolled over on him and suffocated him or that he like rolled over and is like somewhere under the sheets and blankets and has suffocated. That's dark. 
right? So I would wake up frantically in a panic, sit straight up, like pretty breathless and literally like in the dark, feeling around on the bed, like patting the bed everywhere to make sure, not to make sure, just like to, to find my baby. And it would take me a solid two to three minutes to snap out of it, snap out of that nightmare and realize like, no, oh my gosh, like your baby is in the bassinet or he's in the crib in his room and he's perfectly safe. Like that was a dream. It honestly would take me a few minutes to snap out of it and realize that that didn't actually happen. Uh, Honestly, as a sidebar, I'm sure this is common, but I experienced this with my dog as well. I got a little 10 pound dog who as a puppy was gosh, like, I don't know, three, four pounds. I mean, he was the size of a hamster basically. And I, I had a coworker tell me that when he was young, he had a kitten and he rolled over on the kitten in his sleep and the kitten died. Like, why would you tell someone that? So here I am, a new dog mom in my 20s, and the same thing would happen. I would wake up frantic, feeling around on the bed for my dog, or I'd wake up and he looked like so stiff, and I would have to like shake him awake to make sure he was okay. So that already happened years before I had my baby with my dog, and then that fear got like transferred onto my son. I will say, thankfully, this reoccurring dream has stopped um, as my son got older, but it happened on a weekly basis when he was a baby. So now, let's get into the really, really dark stuff. The stuff, the thoughts that I know you never shared with anyone. And I know this because I didn't even share these thoughts with my therapist at the time, let alone with my husband. And you might be sitting here listening, thinking, wait, Sandra, like, did we not already just like cover all the really deep, dark stuff? (laughs) Like, no, no, we're getting into the dark shit now. And yeah, I don't know. Don't judge me. Again, these are very common thoughts that can occur and there's nothing wrong with you if you have these thoughts. So I just wanted to like re-emphasize that before I start. So many of many women I would say with intrusive thoughts have these types of terrifying thoughts creeping in about you as the mom hurting your baby. And so the reason you don't voice these thoughts out loud, even to your partner, is because you know, deep down you know you would never actually hurt your baby, but you're terrified that these thoughts even creep in, right? Like almost like, wow, like if I have these thoughts, like could I be capable of this? but you know you couldn't because you love your kid more than anything in the world, right? So when these sort of thoughts creep in, it's just very scary and confusing. So let me give you a few examples. 
perhaps you're you're at the beach or you're in your apartment and you're standing up on a balcony and you visualize yourself walking towards the edge of the balcony like by the ledge and dropping your baby dropping your baby down 20 30 40 stories yeah when I took my son to the beach I had that fear I 1000% would never do anything to hurt my baby but the fear creeped in so I I did not get close to the edge of the balcony I barely even got on the balcony <laughs> um let's see what's another example um you worry about walking by your kitchen knives while holding your baby because what if you accidentally grabbed a knife and hurt your baby you would never ever do that but the thought pops into your head and it's scary and it's confusing. What if I walked away from the bathtub while my baby was in there and he drowns? Um, another common thought that I had probably on a daily basis, which I know is a really, really common one, is the fear of either myself, of me, or someone else dropping my baby. And it, it was just such a big fear that it was very graphic in my head and I could like literally like visualize his entire body just splattering on the floor and in reality right like people do drop babies right like not on purpose but like it can happen and so if you're dropping your baby from like three four feet up accidentally I don't think a baby actually splatters all over. Like it's their head doesn't splatter like a watermelon that you throw on the concrete, right? Like it can be very dangerous and, you know, like head trauma and things, but their entire like contents of their head and their brain aren't going splat the way that I would graphically visualize it. And it's not a visual that I wanted or chose to have it just kept popping into my head so it, it can be just really really frustrating and so like all of these these thoughts and fears they lead to hyper vigilance okay and so it deeply angers me when one of the only questions a healthcare provider asks to determine if a new mom is struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety is do you have thoughts of hurting yourself or your baby? And I hate that question with such such a passion <laughs> because most of the time it's the opposite. It's that we're overly hyper vigilant about our baby because we wouldn't hurt them, because we have this intense fear of something that we can't control happening to our baby. And hypervigilance, if you weren't aware, is a symptom of perinatal mental health disorder. 
And it often leads to postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD. Hypervigilance, again, is a symptom of postpartum depression or anxiety or OCD. So I just hate that that one question is often the only thing that they ask because it's not even that common as far as I know that moms hurt their baby. So so the OCD piece of um, perinatal mental health and mood disorders is like doing um, repetitious acts or like compulsions to avoid harm or decrease triggers. So like an example, if if you're worried about like your kitchen knives, maybe you're counting your knives every day to make sure they're all there, that one isn't stray somewhere that could like accidentally somehow land in your baby's crib and he rolls over onto it (laughs) like um maybe it's just checking the monitor every two minutes to make sure your baby's breathing you know so (sighs) yeah this has been a lot this truly has been a lot (laughs) so some things that I can recommend is it's really important to especially in the moment when you're postpartum you're early postpartum with a newborn and your mental health is completely out of whack because of your hormones it's really hard to have these thoughts and try to be rational about it like when I was in the thick of it I would have a lot of these thoughts, okay? And I knew, like deep down, I knew that they were mostly irrational, right? I knew it. Like, for example, you know, we lived at the time in a ranch house, which means it's a one-story house. There are no stairs. But I would still have this fear of tripping and falling down the stairs with my baby or dropping my baby down the stairs, which I know is a really, really common intrusive thought. So I knew in my head, like how irrational of a fear that is because we don't even have stairs, you know? (laughs) So certain things like I knew were irrational, but when you're in it, it's like, it doesn't matter. Your brain just tells you this is something you need to be worrying about. So But one of the tips that I have is to talk about your thoughts, these irrational thoughts with someone, whether it's a therapist, your husband, partner, a friend, a family member. It really helped me to voice some of them out loud to my husband because since he was in a more sane and rational state of mind, he and I could talk through my fears and anxieties and he could help me like rationalize them and kind of help me snap back to reality and realize like which, which fears I have that are potentially able to happen and like plan where we have to be more careful and mindful to prevent these things. And he could help me realize which fears are honestly very irrational with like a 
0.000.01% chance of ever happening. So if you have someone you trust that you can be open about with these thoughts or like any, you know, mental health issues that you're having, it's so, so beneficial and helpful to actually say some of these things out loud. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really important to talk through them and be able to help separate fact from fear. So then the only other things I can say that can help is I, I heard about some different affirmations that you can say. So I'm just going to read these off. I don't know where they actually came from to, um, give credit, but these are not my own affirmations. So thoughts are thoughts not threats. Feelings are feelings, not facts. Sensations are sensations, not mandates to act. And to tie it all up, I just want you to remember you are not a bad mom for having these thoughts. As much as they fucking suck, they're common and they're so extremely normal. So I just want you to walk away from this episode knowing that these thoughts are normal. There's nothing wrong with you. And just make sure that if they really become to a point where they really, really interfere with your day-to-day, it might be a good idea to see a therapist you know, perhaps there are remedies that they can help you with, some coping mechanisms um, or, you know, anxiety medication. That worked really well for me. I will say it did not just like entirely erase my intrusive thoughts. Um, I think maybe it like lessened the fears a little bit for me, but it's not like taking my Boost Bar, taking a Lexapro is going to just like magically erase these thoughts, you know? I just think that it could potentially help you like deal with them better. But um, yeah, so I just want you to know that these thoughts are normal and they're okay to have and to just, you know, seek help if you feel like you could benefit from additional help to navigate this often very distressing time. I think postpartum early on, if you're struggling with your mental health, is a very, very distressing and overwhelming time. So I hope that you, I don't don't really want to say enjoyed this episode because it was not a very joyful episode. It was a very dark episode. Um, But I hope that it was, I guess, helpful in a way. And yeah, so I hope you'll tune back in for the next episode. And like I said, would love to hear from you over on Instagram. And if you, you know, enjoy listening to my podcast, I would love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share it with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. For more, follow along on Instagram at my best mom friend. I'll see you again next time.